Welcome to the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I am your guest, Charlene Gonda. And we are your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. This is episode 147. Charlene Gonda is a coder by day, maker by Nate. Charlene is a chronic problem solver and is currently in the middle of her year-long project, 12 Months of Make. Charlene has too much fun building circuits, creating things with 3D printing, crafting hats, and coding IoT devices. So Charlene, what is your background and day job and stuff that was not covered in your bio? <laughs> awesome. Uh, so my background is in software engineering. Um, I actually studied computer science. Um, so that's my day job as well. Uh, I'm a, a software engineer at a little company called Uber Eats. Um, and we like to deliver food, which is good because I like eating. Um, other than eating, I've also been really into uh, making uh, things with hardware. Uh, and it's been, it's been a fun journey. I still have lots to learn, uh, but this year has been incredible. So like, how did you become a software developer and, and Uber Eats? Was that your, is that your first like professional job or job, is job. it <laughs> job, job or yeah, like, or did you start out somewhere else or yeah? Yeah. Uh, so after college, I had a couple of uh, companies that I joined as a software engineer. Um, but the way that I got into Uber uh, was kind of interesting, I guess. Uh, it, I was a developer advocate. And they didn't have this job uh, before I started. Uh, they, they kind of had something similar, uh, but but uh, this was sort of like the first time that they were building a team around it, which is really fun. Uh, so I jumped on to the Uber developer platform as a developer advocate. Uh, that's actually how I, I guess, started um, uh, doing a lot of public speaking uh, and like meeting people in this space uh, and Incidentally, also the reason why I came across um, one of my first hardware projects, one of my first successful ones, at least, uh, it was because my coworker came up to me and asked, what if we could make a hat that would uh, light up depending on the state of your Uber ride using the Uber API, which is the team that I was in. Uh, and that was sort of the, the first, uh, I don't know, aha moment for me. And that project allowed me to sort of like learn a bunch of things. Uh, and then um, even after I transitioned to being a software engineer in the same company, um, I sort of wanted to learn more and wanted to like keep doing it. So a, a, a developer advocate is different from a regular developer in how? Is it the public speaking and kind of more of a marketing kind of role? Mm -hmm. So it's, I, I like to describe it as half software engineering and half uh, public speaking, technical writing and event planning. Um, so it's sort of a really good mix of all of these things. Uh, and then sometimes I'm like, a, as a side hustle, I'm also a PM and, and QA. <laughs> <laughs> Try this new feature out for us, right? Exactly. <laughs> So what is it about uh, software development that uh, uh, attracted you or, or why did you become a software developer? Um, I, I guess it was sort of because uh, I set up, uh, I had a class in high school um, that was a, uh, a, code, a software pro programming class. Um, 
and I didn't, I didn't really know anything about it before I I tried it in class. And then I found that I was, uh, I kind of had a knack for it. And then uh, right after that, I started making like Neopets pages. And I don't know if anyone remembers that. Yeah, I remember that. I remember what Neopets were. Uh, That that was my first foray into coding. It was amazing. What what you learned in high school, was it like HTML or Uh, actual like Java or something? Uh, I think we, so, so my first language was Turbo Pascal. Uh, I don't know if anyone remembers that, but uh, I, we also did in that same class sort of uh, did a bit of, I think we did a bit of like HTML, probably not CSS, but definitely some JavaScript. Uh, I remember we had to make like this web page and I made like a karaoke web page or something like that, uh, which was super fun. <laughs> so uh so so you you went from there and then uh, uh you studied at university yeah yeah so um from there i decided uh, you know because everybody asks you what your life plan is uh after high school so i was like well this computer science thing sounds fun might as well might as well try studying it for a bit um and i actually so so i started um uh, learning computer science in high, uh, sorry, in college in the Philippines, and then uh, I spent sort of one and a half years in college there, and then I had to move here, and then I kind of had to do it all over again uh, because I would, I would have had to like do some grade translations or whatever. So in total, so I spent some time in community college, and then I moved to university. Uh, so in total, I probably studied computer science for six years. Uh, and so I, I never really thought of myself as a hardware person, you know, like it was sort of always like a very clear divide. Like you are a software person and you will only always be one because all the hardware stuff is really hard. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I, I really like talking about these kinds of things or, or at least, you know, probing the other side's mind, uh, just because I, I'm not a programmer at all and it's always interesting to see when somebody on you know the other side of the fence throws a ball over or like decides to peek over the fence and take a look at the other side so so how'd you go over that fence how'd you you know start to you know hop that um so uh i guess i'd always been uh, a little bit interested in it so like uh i remember when i was a kid i would uh, be be that kid who like gets tired of her toys and then takes it apart, especially the ones with the batteries. Those are really fun to take apart. I would never be able to put them back together. And maybe that was the reason why I thought, you know, like, uh, this is too hard. Um, and, and my mom would be really upset. Uh, and uh, so I guess I'd always been curious, uh, hardware curious, um, but but I kind of uh, didn't really have, you know, any reason to think think that it would be something that I would ever learn about. Uh, there was no, I didn't really have uh, hardware classes in college or, or anybody who around me that was interested in that either. Uh, or in high school. You were in high school. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, but, but there were people around me who were interested in, in software engineering um, because 
because I, th- I guess it's like also easier to teach in class, right? Like, like my high school was in the Philippines and, you know, it's easy to have like a bunch of uh, computers around to like learn in, but probably not as easy to have a bunch of like, I don't know, raspberry pies or <laughs> electrical like wires and circuits for you electrical to Electrical components and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Sorry. What were you going to say? Oh me? No, yeah. no, no. I, I was, I was going to talk about like the fence thing, and when one side peeks over, and you just see like devastation, and just like <laughs> you're like, why would I even go over there? Devastation. <laughs> it's a barren wasteland on the other side. On the other side. On both yeah. sides. On both sides. It's just devastation. Sides. But it's devastation that you know. Yes. Yeah. I the thought... grass is not greener on the other side. That's also, for it, sure. It. it I, I did my first API request two years ago, and uh-huh. that just blew my mind. I'm like, <laughs> I I wrote something in code and hit go, and like it reached out to somewhere I have no idea where it's at, and got data back. And I'm like, whoa, <laughs> amazing. Because <laughs> well, on the other side, the hardware end is like when you go, like let's say in a microcontroller, code wise, you know where that data. It's a registry on this address, you know here i i don't i don't know i mean I, theoretically i could i could see that but but to me that's sort of the the fascinating thing because because you know uh i i throw api requests left and right like that's kind of my job but but to be able to sort of take so to me uh co- code is like a 2d thing right or maybe it's in my head like it's either a 2d thing on the screen or it's it's stuff that exists in my head. Uh, and the only way that I can show it to people is just sort of show them my screen, right? But the first time I was able to affect like a physical thing with the stuff that I'm typing on a computer, that blew my mind. I was like, whoa, this thing just moved. And I just, <laughs> I made it move. What? <laughs> <laughs> and I did it, like, I, I don't, I mean, I kind of have a working knowledge of, of how electricity works, right? Like I took physics classes in college, uh, but I don't like, I, I don't know the math behind it. Like, I don't know a lot about uh, uh, sort of, I probably lack a bunch of like fundamental understanding of how electricity actually works. Uh, but the, I, I I guess, I guess like the fact that there are so many of these like components now, these hardware components that you can use, even though you have no like fundamental understanding of those things, I feel like is incredible. Like that takes real like engineering work to like make it so that your interface is very simple, right? And like it, that it works all the time in like a bunch of edge cases as well. Um, so to me, that's really fascinating. Uh, and I think... I guess, like, I thought I, you know, when, when I peeked over that fence, I thought I would see uh, sort of just this, like, unfathomable universe. Um, but then I found, like, some, uh, uh, s- some I guess, there, there, there are just uh, this amazing group of people or amazing class of, like, companies that, like, like Adafruit and Particle, I feel like, that are, are sort of dedicated to... Uh, bringing, pe- like bringing these hardware components 
uh, more to the masses and, and uh, so that you don't have to uh, sort of know a lot about it to be able to use it. And then they, they sort of put out a bunch of like content around tutorials, around uh, teaching you how, how all of these things work. <laughs> I feel like that was that was the thing that allowed me to even you know not just peek but to sort of dip my toe into it uh which is which i'm really really grateful for because uh i feel like otherwise uh, i'd be floating around and like i don't know circuit diagrams and pin out diagrams <laughs> yeah i'd be like what is what does this mean i have uh, so many acronyms <laughs> It's actually, actually, it's interesting is I will go to, um, if, I, if I'm using like a new IC or chip or whatever, I'll go and see if someone else has written code for it. And Adafruit, SparkFun, all those guys are generally the first stop. Yeah. Doing so. And then take a look at their code and like, okay, I, I can probably make this work and yeah. my system. Yeah, which is so <laughs> awesome, I feel like. <laughs> and so I found that, you know, the both both sides of the fence are are just super fun to play around with i guess <laughs> oh yeah we gotta figure out how to make that fence go down though oh uh, that's true yeah <laughs> well i guess in a way uh it's getting the, smaller the, yeah it's getting a little bit like lesser um like 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 i said earlier the the this class of companies like SparkFun, adafruit pie Marodi, um are kind of like working to to bring that down because really there, why should there be a difference between mm -hmm. like a software engineer and a hardware engineer or, or whatever, right? Like why, or, or even just, you know, why should it be so hard for you to like understand how technology works in general? Mm -hmm. Well, and at the same time, I think we are all being asked more and more to be multidisciplinary mm -hmm. uh, and, and the products that we're having to design rarely ever just are on one side of the aisle if you ask me well mm -hmm. especially especially I, I guess i guess that's coming more from me being on the hardware side like mm -hmm. just like the a pure honest to god analog circuit those are great and all and you know i, I work in an industry where the, some of that still exists but in reality that's not i mean that doesn't really exist so much anymore yeah totally uh, and i feel like it's it's probably unlocking a bunch of uh, solutions that we probably wouldn't have thought of if we were sort of siloed in our own uh, domain Area. expertise. Yeah. Um, like, like, I feel like uh, I, I don't think that it would have been just one person's idea to like create this touchscreen phone that would like allow you to access all of the internet, like on the go in your pocket. <laughs> Are you sure it wasn't just uh, Steve Jobs that came up with that idea? Yeah. I think it might have, been, might have been the other Steve, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I got an interesting question. Hmm. Um, is how do you approach hardware design? So I'm going to take an example is a project that I liked a lot, which is the Bongo Cat. <laughs> so how did you approach the hardware design for that? First of all, actually, can you can you tell everyone about the Bongo? Oh yeah, what is Bongo Cat as well? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Bongo Cat is this meme. Um, it started out as um, uh, a person on Twitter. I think his handle is um, uh, Stray Flame or something like that. Um, Stray Rogue. 
Yeah. Uh, and he created this like gif of a, of a cute tiny cat with paws, like stomping on a table with like alternatingly stomping on the table uh, with his paws. Uh, and then somebody sort of like slipped like slid a bongo underneath those uh, paws that are that were stomping on the table, uh, and then other people started sliding a bunch of other musical instruments <laughs> on this cat on, the, on this cat, and then everybody started calling it the bongo cat. Uh, and there's like, I want to say probably close to I want to say hundreds, maybe even thousands of. Uh, bongo cat variations uh generally they have like a music theme to it uh or, or like it's, it's a music meme right um mm-hmm. and so i decided well this this cat is the cutest meme cat that's ever lived no offense nyan cat but uh, or piano cat or whatever but i thought it was just the cutest so i said what if i could make it like come alive like because because i was kind of in this mood of like creating i I guess this entire year i've been in this mindset of creating physical things so i was like what if i could make bongo cat what if i can hug bongo cat i really just wanted to hug bongo cat Uh, so i created i started with creating a puppet because i feel like maybe i could create just a puppet and then control it with my hands and then i was like "Wait, wait wait i have like a bunch of servos lying around why don't i try to like make it move via whatever uh like like hardware i have lying around um and so so this was a challenge for me because i knew i know nothing about uh animatronics or 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 sort of how general joints work uh and 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 what mechanisms you would use to to do that and so i kind of spent some time thinking about uh or, or well so so in terms of hardware design right i uh i tend to just look at tutorials i i look at what other people have designed and then see if i can like take a piece from that and then and then use it for whatever i need it for um and so i, I saw a uh, tutorial on adafruit about um this cat ears they're cat ears that sort of bend and they mm-hmm. use like this rubber band and and cardboard to sort of like achieve this bending mechanism for for the ears and i was like oh maybe i can use the same thing for for arms right they're just like stubby little arms so maybe it could be a simple mechanism like that they're just ears that come out the side of your body right (laughs) exactly exactly (laughs) they're they're all just bendy body parts maybe that'll work uh but um what i found was that didn't work really uh uh, so, so I, I kind of played with a couple of iterations of like this combination of this cardboard and rubber band type of deal. And then finally I was like, why don't I just stick the servo inside the arm? So I just stuck the servo inside the arm and then made, made sort of like the, uh, uh I don't, I don't really know what you call it. There's like, like pieces like an of, actuator. Well, you know how servos have pieces of plastic that are like attached to it. I think they're called horns yep. or something like yep, that. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So like I had like a bunch of those plastic horns. So I just figured out what configuration, cause the horns have holes in them. So I figured what configuration of those horns would like fit inside the tiny stubby uh, bongo cat arm. Uh, and then I just stuck the servo in it and it worked. 
<laughs> That's great. I, I, I here I was trying to sort of engineer this this mechanism, like animatronic mechanism. Uh, and the best answer I could come up with was just use two servos and stick it inside the arms. <laughs> so and so uh, quick, some quick questions about that. Did you did you like repurpose uh, like a fabric from something, or did you create Bongo Cat from scratch? Uh, I kind of created it from scratch. So like I went out and I I went and got some white felt, uh, and then my idea was that I'd create some stencil, like I'd cut out the shapes of the of the mouth and the eyes um, for, for the, like from some black felt. Um, but I actually ended up just drawing it on. So I got, I, I like picked up some fabric markers and then I just started sketching on this white fabric. Um, and then I just made it like super simple. Like, so all of the videos that you will find of Bongo Cat looks really sleek but actually if you like take a look at the seams they're like very haphazardly like sewn together but it works it's fine <laughs> oh, i love it uh, so, so what uh, what's controlling the servers or the actuators or whatever you want to call them yeah uh so uh at first i actually used um adafruit circuit playground uh the cricket um, it's this like attachment to their circuit playground board that allows you to control several servo mo motors um, <clears throat> because um, I didn't really like I, I sort of maybe vaguely knew that there would be power issues if I wanted to control multiple of these servos. I didn't really uh, uh, understand that. So I figured eh, if I use this thing, then I don't have to understand it. It'll just work for me. Uh, and then I could kind of like figure out how to how to do the angles, figure out the angles, the optimal angles for the for the little arms to move. Uh, and then I so I did that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and and then I figured uh, this could either go two ways. I could either um, make it react to sound, or I could hook it up to Twitter, and then every time somebody tweets hashtag bongo cat then bongo cat will will react uh, so I, I did both uh, i i said okay i'm gonna do the, the the sound one first because um the circuit playground has a little microphone so so if i clap then it'll move it'll read it. yeah yeah uh and then and then i was like okay well i could switch this out to use um the particle photon instead Photon? Yeah, the particle photon instead. And then I just wrote like a quick little Twitter script, a uh, little script to like ingest events from Twitter whenever there's hashtag bongo cat. Um, yeah, which is super, super fun. <laughs> so, so, so in that case, how often does your, you know, animatronic bongo cat go nuts? Uh, you know, I thought that it, uh, so, so in the beginning it was, um, I, I would pull, I would have had to, I had to pull it every, um, like 12 seconds or something like that, because there's a rate limit to Twitter search API, at least the, the easiest one to use. Uh, so I had to like limit the polling, but so it would, it would move every, uh, every 12 seconds or something like that. And that was super fun. Uh, and, and I had thought that it would slow down, but uh, I think I think I'm still getting like I mean I don't have it turned on 24 seven. But I was about to say it's, it's also in the other room just 
<laughs> dancing around. Do we have that? Rec- do we have video of that recorded? Oh, I want to see. Video of me dancing oh, yeah. style. <laughs> <laughs> we can we can all do that. We can all dance bongo cat style. No, yeah. but I should I should just set up a live stream of bongo cat. <laughs> just dancing away. Just dancing away every day. That'd be great. <laughs> As, as a side tangent, I think it's worth noting to everyone, uh, all the listeners, that if you go to bongo.cat, then you can actually play Bongo Cat on your keyboard. Yeah. And so that'll give you a quick idea of what we're talking about if you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I like Very it how it's, it's, it's also that site set up with your left and right mouse button. Yeah. You just sit there and just, uh, just hammer away. Oh, yeah. Bungle away. It's great. <laughs> I got I to gotta close that tab out. <laughs> <laughs> it's addicting. It's addicting. <laughs> okay. So Bongo Cat, was this part of your 12 months of makes? Yes. Or is this a different thing? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, so, so 12 months of makes is uh, my project that I started in January. And it's... Uh, uh, basically a commitment to make one hardware project a month uh, for 12 months. Um, and I started in January. It is now November. Uh, I, I've kind of, I kind of like stopped keeping like uh, uh, like strict track of every month. Um, but I think I, I have made probably more than 11 hardware projects um, in the course of this year, which is really fun. Not all of them are, are you know, as fully featured (laughs) 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 but but they were all like very very fun um and 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 each of them was sort of like an opportunistic way for me to learn something new either either it was uh uh, i I tried to like make them all circuit related but but sometimes it didn't end up being like that Uh, sometimes it ended up being about woodworking um or some or 3d printing or something like that uh, but, but it was, a it was a really, so, so Bongo Cat was sort of, I think it was maybe my October make, uh, or something like that. Uh, and it was definitely very, very, very fun to do. <laughs> so like, so most of these makes are, mm-hmm. are, it's stuff that you want to learn about, right? Yeah. So like and, 3D printing and. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or there's stuff that, uh. I, I just got inspired to make somehow. Uh, you like there's there's been stuff that I made because I wanted to um, give it to someone. Um, so for February, I made this like really silly Valentine card thing, like a huge Valentine card thing for uh, my boyfriend, um, and it was just like a way to sort of like an excuse to sort of make this thing. Uh, because yeah yeah. yeah. it's just fun to make it for other people and i've made like a trophy that was that i uh designed myself like so this trophy had a character on it and this character is a character that i designed myself for my team um and then i ended up making a trophy out of that as well which is super fun (laughs) the um the the hat the shark hat yeah. So this was the Uber Eats API project, right? 
It's actually the Uber API project. Uh, okay. So it doesn't work for Uber Eats yet, but that's probably something I should do. Um, but it's, uh, so it's, it's a hat. It's a shark hat with a 3D printed unicorn on top of it. And it lights up depending on the state of your Uber ride. Uh, so this is sort of the hat of my coworkers' dreams or nightmares or whatever. Uh, it was uh, it was one of my first projects uh, that I've done, and I, I made it with uh, part- particle electrons. So I also used it with um, this the three G. They had like a three G connectivity to it because I figured if you're riding around in an Uber, you probably don't want to be connected or like be tethered to your phone or something. Um, and that was a good one. So, what do Uber drivers think of that? <laughs> Uh, they, they think that it's like this, this like super silly thing. I, so, so, uh, the last time I got into a car with it, the guy was like, is that a shark? (laughs) 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 And I was like, yes. And then I said, if you start the trip, I can show you what it does. Uh, and so he started the trip and it changed colors and I was just like super happy to, (laughs) that it it actually worked. Yeah. Every time it works, I'm like very happy about it. <laughs> so, so what do the colors actually mean? Is it like it changes colors if you're halfway through your trip, or what? Do, what does it do? Uh, so there are. I have I have a I have a spiel for this because I used to tell people about this all the time. My job was to tell people about the Uber API. Um, so there are uh, about five different f- five to six different states that your Uber ride goes through. Like one of them is you just uh, you just requested the ride. So people uh, so so there are no drivers that have accepted it yet, but we're trying to find someone that can accept your your trip. And then second is, oh, a driver has already accepted your trip. Hooray. Uh, so that means that the driver is like starting to head over to your location. And then there's like the state where the driver is arriving. So it's sort of like it, the animation for that in the unicorn horn is like this, this alarm, alarmy type of uh, animation because it's like, ah, oh, your driver's almost here. You should probably go. Um and then, and then there's like an in progress state where you're in the car, everything is good, it's party time. So it's like a rainbow, sort of like the the trippiest rainbow animation. It's totally designed to distract the driver. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what is happening? Uh, it's it's great at night because the the best the best way to start your night. Out, out about in the town uh and then of course there's completed or or canceled right like if somebody decided to cancel the ride um and that's it Th- those two animations don't don't happen they just kind of make it so that the unicorn horn knows when to stop stop doing its thing yeah <laughs> party's over <laughs> and i think you had a you did a class on it or mm-hmm. i saw pictures of like boxes of kits for these yeah. Uh, so I, uh, I really wanted one of my uh, goals for 12 months of makes is to meet people who like enjoy doing these things and, and would like to learn more about how to do it, or they're already doing it and they're doing some fun stuff and I just want to meet them and learn how cool they are. Uh, so, so I decided, well, one of the good 
ways to do that is to do this workshop. Uh, and so with the help of my friend Ginny, uh, we were able to put together this workshop for, um, I think there was a total of nine people. Um, and uh, it, it was the, it was sort of a scrappy workshop. We did it uh, in my um common common space in our apartment um i bought all like i sourced all of the hardware myself um and uh i like figured out like what what we needed i grabbed i borrowed a bunch of soldering machines uh and and my boyfriend is a really good cook so he was able to like provide some lunch or dinner (laughs) for us as well uh so it was it was super fun i didn't think like uh, the the aim for the workshop was to come out of it with like a lot of like sort of good starting foundation for especially for a software engineer to get started with uh, hardware projects and and also create a hat. I thought that we would get you know goal number one done. I did not think that we would get goal number two done, but we did. Uh, so it was fun to see like all of all of my friends have like these glowy hats that they built themselves. Uh, they did the code themselves. They wired it up themselves. They even soldered it themselves. Uh, we were able to sort of do this mini soldering session, which was super fun. To me, soldering is like an arcane art. So it was fun to be able to do it. <laughs> I, think, I think Steven like, was born with a soldering iron in his hand. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> so, Amazing. Well, we think of the exact opposite, like, like looking at like Python code. At least a couple of years ago, for me, was like that was like it was a different language. I mean, oh, technically, yeah. it is. I guess it is a different language <laughs> than English, but um, yeah, it just looks. It's the same thing. It's it's fascinating. Yeah, I, I it's it's really cool to like explore this intersection between uh, sort of what you would learn as a hardware engineer and what you would learn as a software engineer, because I feel like what I found was that it only really took like a little bit more like reaching out into the void to see like what I could touch uh, and to, to, to realize that like, oh, like this is where, this is where the rubber meets the road, I guess. And it's kind of amazing. Mm-hmm. It's really fascinating. Yeah, I, I I start looking at it as you know I, I I I feel like I'm like I can do this. I can push. This is from a hardware going to software. Like I can push buttons on a keyboard and figure this out. <laughs> and it will take me like like I mean, it took me like a whole week to figure out how to like make APIs work on a for for Python. I was just like, how does this stuff work? That's okay. That also. <laughs> look on tutorials maybe maybe it's better now but when i was starting to do that like the tutorials out there for that kind of stuff is from a software perspective Mm -hmm. and so it's like i need an example because that's how i work i I need like an example of it working and i couldn't find that kind of stuff at all well i think actually it's we need the exact same thing that you were talking about earlier charlene the the thing where you said, hey, you know, I look at someone else's hardware project and I pick out what I want from it. Mm-hmm. We need the exact same thing in code. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. Um, software engineers are notoriously terrible at documentation. Uh, and so 
that stuff kind of already exists in libraries and stuff like that where i mean in python you go import whatever and usually if you google that whatever that already exists somewhere mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so it's kind of that way but it's it's really i think what what charlene really like hit on there is is documentation mm -hmm. um the big one that i've come across software project wise is working with keycad which is an eda tool for designing circuit boards and they have a python interface scripting language that has like no documentation at all yeah uh, that's basically i was going into the source code and figuring out what i have to do to like get data out Oh no, that's that's always never fun. Um, no. I, I I feel like uh, this is a uh, a problem that that we're trying to solve every day. Like not so so two things, right? Like one, unfortunately, I don't think that. Uh, so so I used to be a developer advocate, and so a lot of the things that I used to do was. Uh, not really market research per se, but sort of like trying to figure out what personas are reading documentation, right? Like what sort of people are sort of landing on the page and what kind of information are, are they looking for? Uh, and I don't think that, uh, like one, I don't think we have a really good understanding of that across the industry. And two, I don't know how much representation hardware engineers get <laughs> for, for things like that, you know? Like, uh, I don't think anybody sort of looks at documentation and goes like, uh, what are like the sort of the mo most basic things? Or maybe not even basic, but sort of like, because you probably have different concerns in terms of what you're looking for if you're looking at a hardware project. Uh, so stuff like that, I feel like would be really useful. But it'd be on a case-by-case -case basis, I suppose. Yeah, I think what I normally look for, and this might be different for other people, but is I generally look for examples of like what you, you like mm. looking at someone's project that does something. I'm like, oh, but I need to do, you know, I need to have this thing talk to this thing. Mm -hmm. And I need to find something that shows how that works. How Like how does that data flow into yeah. whatever structure it needs to go into? Because like if someone just, hands me a bunch of like doc like software documentation i'm like i don't know how to make that stuff work and yeah. i guess it's the exact opposite way whereas you know you want to make bongo cat's arms move <laughs> but you don't know how to make the hardware do that part yeah exactly so you have to figure that part out exactly yeah i i think i think it's kind of like okay so when when i started uh like like literally the first time i tried to make an led blink um, I, I had a very limited set of components that I knew existed, right? So like, I, I barely knew what a breadboard was and I knew that wires exist. I know about wires, uh, and I know about LEDs, right? Uh, I, I was working like, like NeoPixels, right? I had like a NeoPixel ring and it took me a long time to figure out that, uh, oh my God, should I be, should I be a, admitting this in a podcast. Uh, but anyway, I'm going to do it. Uh, it took me like a long time to figure out that uh, the there was ground, there was power, and there was data in. And that was all of the interfaces that you needed to know about to like connect it to your circuit. Like, uh, it took me a long time to even get to that point. Um, and so maybe 
but but now I have like a repertoire of things that I know, right? Like sort of the big component chunks, uh, not not even like physical components, but sort of like the fact that uh, you know if you have a, a sensor, for example, there's going to be a way to get data into it and then a way to get data out of it and then you have to have a way to power it somehow um, like all of this sort of like fundamental things was not something that was available to me when I was first beginning uh, and so and so and, and as I learn more there's like a lot more components that I that I'm using like screens are apparently a lot more complicated to like put stuff into like make make something display on a screen is apparently much more complicated than blinking an LED, right? Um, but 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 now that I'm learning a bunch more of these components, I can navigate these uh, documentation and these uh, uh, data sheets and pinout diagrams a lot better um, now that I know what Rx and Tx stands for. Um, but you know they exist. Right, right. So just the fact that I know these components exist, I feel like was very useful. Um, and so maybe I feel like a hardware engineer might have to go through some similar exercise of trying to figure out what big chunks they need to be doing, right? Because you may be looking at a project. It's harder to see if that's similar to what you're doing because it's all abstract, right? Like for, for me, the advantage was if I was looking at a project uh, a hardware project, it's easy to visually see that, you know, oh, that thing has like a moving part. Maybe that moving part has something to do with the thing that I'm trying to do because my thing has a moving part. Um, but it's much more abstract if it's a program uh, and and you can't like see it as easily. Um, so that's that's probably like what makes it really hard to do as well. Yeah, you like, can it's hard only to pattern really... match. Yeah, you only have uh, on software. It's like the the outputs is what you mm -hmm. can really. But you have to run the code to kind of figure out what it's doing. Yeah, um, exactly. Or yeah, like yeah, even, or even like if you wanted to know what the internals of the code was doing, and there's no documentation for that, it might have different like chunks inside of the code. But you'd have to like go in and read it and then build a mental model in your head, which is like could be really challenging. Mm -hmm. Or if they're using machine learning, you have no idea. No one knows what it's doing. <laughs> exactly. There is no mental model. It's just let the computer do its thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's very sad. I don't, I'm not a AI expert. I wish I was. Steven, are you an AI expert? Do I look like an AI expert? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not either. <laughs> I, um, so Charlene, do you have any other words of wisdom for software developers thinking about getting into hardware creation? Um, yeah, I think I think it's always best to, okay, number one, you could totally do it. Uh, just because you don't know anything about hardware doesn't mean that you can't pick up uh, some pliers and some, some wire cutters and start doing it. Maybe even a soldering iron if you're brave. Uh, those things were really scary to me uh, in the beginning, but but uh, trust me, it gets better. Uh, and so, like one, uh, don't be afraid to do, to to do it, and two, start with an idea that's exciting to you. Like it doesn't have to be world changing. Like I don't think that 
the world was changed by Bongo Cat or by Sharknicorn. Uh, <laughs> but I don't think it was, I'm But it was more. made that much better because of that. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. But, but, you know, like those were just things that were uh, fun and exciting to, to me personally. And it was just really fun to share it with, with people. And I just got lucky that people also found it really uh, interesting. Um, and so start with an idea that, that you think you'd be really motivated to make. And then, and then start finding tutorials where you can take bits and pieces out of uh, that maybe look similar to what you're trying to do. And then do it. Uh, and if you need some motivation, if you need help, I'm uh, at Chardain on Twitter. <laughs> plug uh so but 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 honestly like i'm happy to uh to to lend a hand for for anyone out there who's like sort of really uh interested in in learning about these things but are are hesitating because they don't have enough knowledge or they feel like they have no guidance or they feel like all the googling in the world is not helping them etc so we also have a uh, a Slack channel that's a whole bunch of hardware engineers and software developers that, um, that might be a really good resource for people wanting to learn more about this kind of stuff. And practically anytime anyone asks a question in there, there's like 50 people who know the answer and just pounce on it. But it's always um, 50 different answers as well. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's true. Because well, it's a bunch of engineers. <laughs> okay, okay, How honestly. complicated of a solution do you want? <laughs> <laughs> okay, honestly, I always feel a little bit intimidated going into spaces like that because um, I always come in and I go, hi, um, don't know what the technical term for this thingy-mabob is, but I'm trying to do this thingamajigger and <laughs> like, I feel like my level of vocabulary is like nowhere near where it's supposed to be. And then, and then people always reply with like, well, if you do this SAT and this BBF and this ABC, then you will be good. <laughs> <laughs> All of those are real, I'm sure. You, you know, a funny tangent that goes along with that. I love when you go to a forum and uh, you see someone posted where they're asking something that, that frankly is probably a little bit of, you know, a newbie question and things like that. And the next post, the very next post after that is like, you realize this, forum has a search function right or something oh. like that something really nasty like <laughs> i always find that kind of funny because i've been the, i've been the guy who who asked the dumb question before our slack channel is not like that in any way no but the thing is i've, I've had that same thing happen to me people like will respond use the search function and you're like form search functions are garbage <laughs> it's always better to go to like google do like site and then the form and then search <laughs> yeah, it, it'll find it better than this. Yeah, the search functions are usually terrible. Um, very true. Very true. If you if you're one of those kind of people that post that, do just do the search yourself and see if the results pop up, and then just paste the link. That's way more helpful than just posting <laughs> and wasting everyone else's time. It's true. Um, there's <laughs> definitely that's that's so true. I've do you know that uh, there's like a link, uh, there's like a tool where it's like let me Google that for you. And it literally has an animation of like doing this Google thing. Uh, I think that's so mean to like do. I feel like to, <laughs> to friends, that's okay. But if, if you're like a complete stranger on the internet and you're giving this a complete stranger to the internet, like there's no possible way that that could be taken as like a positive thing. Positive thing. It's like you've already 
you as the poster had already taken enough time to even just set that URL up. <laughs> it's like, just take the first couple links and then paste that in there then. Yeah, yeah. It be just because it's at least a little bit nicer. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, but but uh, I'm glad to know that there is a space that where, where people have uh, 50 different answers because that sounds amazing, like an amazing resource. Oh my God, I'm about to join myself. <laughs> And so with that, Charlene, do you want to sign us out? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, that was the Macrofab Engineering Podcast. I was your guest, Charlene Gonda. And we were your hosts, Parker Dillman. And Stephen Craig. Catch you later, guys. Take it easy. Thank you, yes you, our listener, for downloading our show. If you have a cool idea, project topic, or a software developer that wants to get into hardware, let Steven and I know. Tweet us at MacFab, at Longhorn Engineer, or at AnalogENG, or email us at podcast at MacFab.com. We also have an awesome Slack channel, which a bunch of software developers and engineers, hardware guys, all that stuff hang out in every day. Um, and as you heard, we have lots of people that like to answering questions. So yeah, go check that out. There's going to be a link in the podcast description and on our website. Um, or if you need access, let me know. Um, if you're not subscribed to the podcast yet, click that subscribe button, that RSS feed, or go to your favorite podcast app and click subscribe. So that way you get the latest map episode right when it releases. And please review us wherever you listen as it helps this show stay visible and helps new listeners find us.